observers of the trials and tribulations of the complex process toward peace in the Middle East will sometimes note that one of the things that makes that situation so difficult, so intractable, is that every party in the conversation at one point or another likes to think of itself as a victim, as, as somehow the one that has a claim, a moral claim on our sympathy, and therefore we should do what they want rather than what the others want. Israel is a, is a minority in a sea of nations that would like it gone, and Palestinians are a minority in, in Israel, even though they have alliances. It all gets, gets to be very complicated. But this claim to victimhood is, is, is what I'm after. It's this sense that when we can claim that we are a victim, then somehow everybody ought to do what we want. Then somehow they have a, a, a way of suggesting that, we, that they will somehow govern uh, what's going on with our aid and assistance and support. The poor me card gets played by all kinds of people. And I confess, probably I've done it, and I suspect most of you, in fact, I know most of you have too, at one point or another. <laughs> one point or another. That's, and and, and, it's, and it's, it's often played by people who are far from being real victims. We've all met people with plenty of resources and plenty of power who insist they're victims. Often in the current climate, when a political process they feel entitled to control doesn't go their way. We're witness this week to a phenomenon in church and state that's quite un-American in some ways, whereby the political process is only legitimate as long as uh, the minority can be perceived as a victim. We are hurt. We are left out. What about us? Get our way. Uh, one tactic for the pursuit of minority goals uh, is to focus on purity, theological purity, political purity. I've noticed recently in uh, church publications, parishes looking for rectors will sometimes say, we're looking for a traditionalist who, 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 who support and believes in the 39 articles. Now, when did you last read the 39 articles? They're, they're in the historical section of the prayer book for a reason. It's very interesting, but it's what, it, what this is is a sign we want someone who's got theological purity is not going to let all of that dreadful stuff happen here. And we've seen in Florida Governor Chris deciding to run as an independent because he's not pure enough for the purity group that would seek to control the Republican Party in that state. And we hear an appeal to the victim mentality in all of us calling us to take back power for those whom we blame for our plight, to get mad, to resist outcomes we don't like in any way possible, and frequently in a desire to blame others and our desire to turn things around through purity of message, we wind up creating boundaries and therefore we wind up creating victims in the process. It's often very pure religion that creates victims. Now, there are plenty of other ways to work on our attitudes when we feel hard done by in life. A journalist called Ben Sherwood has written a remarkable book called The Survivor's Club, in which he counsels taking challenges in life one step at a time and remembering that however isolating a crisis can feel, and if you've ever been in a, a crisis, you know it, you can often feel very, very alone. There's a kind of universality in suffering. He reminds us that nothing can substitute for finding purpose, and that crisis is not a time to waste breath, complaining, or waste time sitting still. Those of us who look to Jesus' death on the cross know quite a bit about not responding as a victim, even if we are in fact being victimized.
He goes to the cross not giving assent to the powers that are seeking to manage the anxiety in society by putting him to death. And we need no more have the attitude of a victim than Jesus did. And he certainly doesn't go about manipulating others to do his will or to share his point of view. But that said, we must acknowledge that there really are victims in this world who really do have a claim on our compassion and who deserve some kind of redress. The other side of the gospel that calls us beyond our regressive tendencies to claim victim status and blame others when life isn't going our way is the reminder that victimizing others is never okay. Love one another, says Jesus. Love one another. In John's gospel, we hear a lot about the Jews, the Jews this, the Jews that. As I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And that saying, and a hundred like it, have over the centuries, as we all know, given Christians a sense of being justified when things are bad by persecuting Jews, when all that was really going on was that Christians having a hard time were once again creating scapegoats and victims. It's as indisputable as the reality by which events conspired to make a victim out of Jesus. So when we hear talk of the Jews in John's gospel, we do well to remember what's going on and think of it more as the Judaizing party. The synagogues were beginning to set boundaries and this sect within Judaism, the followers of the way, later called Christians, were being excluded were being excluded, and the Christian community was over against the Judaizing party, and, and the boundaries are getting set and getting clear. We hear it in other Gospels when we hear about Jesus will set mothers against sons and fathers against daughter-in-laws and all that sort of stuff, and families were getting separated. Which side are you on? Are you for us or are you against us? And, and this push toward clarity is very close to a push toward purity, and it had the effect of separating people. And so when John talks about the Jews, he's talking about the people who are excluding us or the people whom we're excluding. Nobody's clean in this, but it's not about the Jewish race. It's about a party within the synagogues. It's so easy to demonize the enemy and turn them, whoever they are, into victims if we're not careful. Now, Peter's vision at Joppa serves a clear corrective to this tendency. He moved away from purity religion, which is always setting itself over against that which it believes is impure. Peter gets to the point where he realizes that nothing God has made, and no one God has made, is impure, is profane. No one can be excluded by some purity rule. It's a major, major shift and it's part of the shift that caused huge conflict in those early communities about whether or not Gentiles are going to be okay. And Peter's vision says very clearly, do not call profane what God has made. God made the world and looked at it just as God looks at every one of us and saw that fundamentally, fundamentally and deep down, you are good everyone. Good. No longer may purity of religion, purity of doctrine, purity of religious practice, our purity in relation to them, no longer may those boundaries be the basis for despising and so victimizing others. 
So where we're left is recognizing that there clearly are victims in this world and that wherever possible, some kind of redress is in order. At the same time, we decline to give any particular moral rectitude or status of righteousness to those who claim to be and might in fact be victims. And we remember this particularly when we try to get others to do our bidding, when we're tempted to get others to make things all right for us, give us what we want. So we remember that whenever we feel aggrieved by life or something's not quite gone our way, we're out of sorts, victim of some circumstance that we judge unfair, then we remember that our meaning and our purpose comes from choosing that we will not be victimized, oppressed, and put down. We will not choose, we will choose not to participate in a world that will keep setting boundaries, will keep declaring others unclean, will keep creating scapegoats so that we can bolster our group and our point of view over against others because God offers a better way. And that better way we see nowhere as clearly as we see it in Jesus' journey to the cross. Standing tall, not claiming the right to avoid circumstance, not blessing the system that creates scapegoats, and in fact doing what he asks everyone to do, to love one another, because what God made is good. Let us respond to the gospel as ever in silence and in prayer.